All right, fantastic. Thank you, everyone, for jumping on. Um, this is basically a rerun of the presentation that we did two weeks ago at the Japan Real Estate Seminar. So I'll share my screen now, just so you can see what we are talking about. Uh, two, yeah, two weeks ago, we did the, the seminar. We had about, I think, 102 attendees in total, about 60 in person and just over 40 via the Zoom. Unfortunately, my particular um, part of the presentation, which was the first presentation, was not recorded. So I'm redoing it here. Um, for anyone who wants to jump on live, like some of you guys, uh, thank you for joining. You can ask any questions as um, uh, either as we go along or towards the end, whatever you're, you're comfortable with. Uh, it might be hard for me to monitor the chat while we do this. So if you just uh, raise your hand, um, if you click on your your um, your video or your your name and you click raise hand, that might be easier for me to actually see if you have a question or not. <clears throat> we will have time at the end for a Q&A for everyone. But yeah, let, let's get into it. Primarily, we're going to try to record this because the recording failed last time and we want uh, to be able to give it to all the attendees as um, you know, because we did promise that they can go back and have a copy of the recordings. <clears throat> so let's get started. So we'll jump onto that one a little bit later. So introduction to realestate.jp. We are a, a Japanese real estate agency. And we're located in Ibis. Uh, we have access to the national database. Um, the listings database so it's like an mls that you have in the us but it's for all of japan and this enables us to really uh be able to search any kind of property that that you want so if, if someone comes up to me and says they're looking for a, an apartment or a house in in shibuya in tokyo i can pull up all the listings that are there and show them to you and depending on how we go for time we might actually do a little demonstration of that as well um, also, as a licensed agent, we have good relationships with the Japanese mega banks. So that means uh, we can do the mortgage financing side on your behalf. Uh, we can ask you for any documentation and present that directly to the bank. Uh, we have the loan officers uh, that are assigned to our office, to our agency. We have their number, like their phone numbers. I can just call Tanaka-san at SMBC on his mobile phone sort of any any time and say, look, I've got this client who's interested in this kind of property. This is their uh, income information and their residency information. Do you think you can support this client or not? Um, and for the most part, they'll just give us a quick answer in about 10 minutes of what they think is realistic. So that's one of the, the benefits of working with an agency that has good bank relationships. My main focus is um, people looking to buy their personal property in Japan uh, or um, uh, investment properties in Tokyo. Sorry, uh, personal people looking to buy their personal home in Tokyo or an investment property. But I mainly focus in the Tokyo area. Uh, other prefectures, it's very difficult for me to be able to travel and do all the house viewings and do a good job of showing you uh, listings. So I try to keep it in Tokyo. <clears throat> so 
Okay, and myself, um, I've been in Japan for 20 years. I'm an Australian. Um, I've got three young kids, so nine, seven, and five. I've bought my personal home in uh, in Shibuya in 2013 when my first child was born. Uh, and then uh, I began the year after that when I got into, you know, I understanding the process and what have you, I became working as an agent. And then in, so I've been doing that for uh, nine years now. Well, time does fly. And uh, in 2015, I bought my second home in Setagaya. And so I do have like firsthand experience as well in young families, what it's like trying to buy a home, uh, the purchase process and everything that, you know, you kind of want when you're trying to have buy your own personal place. So I think I've got a lot of experience exactly like what my clients are looking for. I was into the short-term rentals, Airbnb properties. I had 12 that I was um, uh, at the peak, sort of pre-regulation uh, pre and pre-COVID, and then that dwindled down. So I'm out of that business completely now, but I do have experience with it. Um, none of the now sort of any client that wants to work with me, I don't really search for Airbnb properties or properties that are suitable for short-term stay. So if you're looking for those kind of investments, you want to make a hotel or or a Airbnb property, then I probably won't really be able to help you with those. Uh, there's a lot of legal requirements that make it quite complicated to search uh, for that. But my main goal is to help foreigners buy their own home in Tokyo. Okay, uh, I I realize there's myself as a as a as a parent and a family family man. It's having a home is just such a great foundation and such a great base. Um, that, uh, especially being a foreigner in Tokyo, owning it just makes you so much more comfortable and so much happier uh, with your time in Japan because renting is completely painful. So I want to share that uh, comfort and security with others. Okay, so next we'll talk about why, why we want to buy in Japan. So... Japan has great home loan terms. We've kind of heard about it, heard rumors, maybe you've seen some advertisements at banks, you've heard of friends that have done it, but the interest rates are about half a percent. Okay, right now the best deals are going at 0.19 and 0.29%. And that's 105% financing uh, that we're getting, which means not only are you getting the uh, the 100% value of the property, you're also getting all the closing costs, the agency fee, which is our, our commissions, the ta uh, any kind of tax or lawyer fee, uh, fire insurance, etc. So it's actually no money out of pocket uh, when you want to make the purchase. The bank pays for all of it. And interest rates are so low that it's so cheap uh, to to own it. It's a lot cheaper than renting. You get to own your home after 35 years and you can sell it at any time during and then from the the proceeds of the sale pay off whatever remaining loan balance there is when it's your own property you have your own freedom to renovate or to paint etc um, and you do get depending on your income and your situation but you can get a tax rebate and your tax rebate uh, they have changed it to 10 years actually i know this slide says 13 but it's been changed to 10 years and the numbers are slightly different it's not the deciding factor in the property purchase, but uh, it is a, a bit of a bonus. 
Okay. Uh, so I just want to show you here, there's two sort of areas whenever we have this discussion about real estate in Japan. The main things we want to talk about are the property and the financing. Okay. So uh, the property side of things is, um, you know, the kind of house, you know, um, uh, that you want to buy, etc. And the financing talks really about how much you can borrow from the bank and what your budgeting is. So let's get into the, uh, the property uh, discussion. Okay. So one of the big aspects that we discuss is, should we buy a house or a mansion? Now, um, and Matt, by mansion, we mean an apartment or a condo. In Japan, they use the word mansion. So a house is often multi-level. You don't really get a one-story uh, house, okay? Um, it'll be two or three stories are what's most common. And there's also a car park that's usually included when you buy a house. For on, um, uh, on the other hand, with a mansion, it's a single floor. They do sometimes have mezzanette style properties, which are two stories, but for the most part, they're single floor. So for some people that are in the downside, downsizing stage of, of their life, so maybe their kids are older and they've moved out and now they're in their 60s or so and they're looking for a smaller place that's more manageable, maybe at that age, they no longer want to go up and down stairs. So for them, they think a single floor is, is more suitable. And then with, a, with car park, unlike you know, Australia, where I'm from, and many other countries, when you buy an apartment, there is no assigned car parking spot to that apartment. So in Australia, almost always, there'll be one or two car parking spots that are guaranteed for the apartment that come with the, the ownership. But for the actual, uh, in Japan, Parking spots are quite few and far between in the building. If there's 50 apartments in the building, there might only be eight car park spots. And it's very unlikely that any one apartment owns them. Anyone who wants to use that parking spot needs to rent it out. Okay, so a lot of places are, are full and there's no parking available. Uh, so if you definitely want a car, then uh, that's one of the benefits of a house. And also the parking rental, depending on which area that you're in, anywhere from 20 to 50,000 yen a month. Okay, you don't find many under 20,000 yen a month rental unless you're quite far out in the suburbs. Uh, with a house, there's no management company that, or body corporate with rules that you need to follow. So if you wanna you know, be noisy, if you wanna have pets, um, if you wanna have, I've got a, a balcony out here that I like having a barbecue on. If you wanna use it as a home office, you're able to. Whereas in a mansion, they might have strict rules about what you can and cannot do. Okay. Um, for example, barbecuing on the balconies in mansions is, is often not, uh, not permitted. Uh, one of my old mansions that I lived in uh, many years ago, you couldn't even hang your clothes to dry on the balcony. They, they had a section on the rooftop uh, that, was, that was caged, and that's where everyone has to dry, uh, hang their clothes to dry. Um, with a house, you if there's any repair or maintenance that needs to be done on the structure, you're responsible uh, for it yourself. Whereas with a uh, mansion, 
you pay a monthly management fee of anywhere from 10 to 50,000 yen a month, and then a repair fund fee, okay, of you know, 10 to 30,000 yen a month, depending on the size of the property. The more square meters it is, the, the more expensive it becomes. And the management fee is just for a company to coordinate the management of the property day to day. Um, and then the sinking or the repair fund fee, that's to actually, um, that's the pool of funds for the cost of the actual repairs or maintenance. Uh, one of the big ones they do is every about 15 years or so, they'll do the large scale repairs. So the exterior of the building, um, they put scaffolding up all around the building and will um, spend maybe six months painting it, doing all the waterproofing, uh, you know, making sure that there are any cracks or whatnot, for, uh, filling it, et cetera, repainting the roof. So you still have to pay for that if you own your own house, but you decide at when you do it. It's not a monthly expense. Um, houses also are not so small. Okay, usually they're over 70 square meters, at least two, usually three bedrooms and above. So if you don't want a smaller place, then a mansion is, is more for you. And one of the big differences as well is it's a wooden structure for a house most commonly versus a concrete for an apartment. So a concrete property does just end up having a longer life than a uh, wooden structure. Okay. Let's just uh, go on. And can everyone hear me okay? Um, I guess if you can't, please just unmute and let me know. Um, yeah, feel free to jump in. All right, now let's talk about new versus used properties. Now, one of the big misconceptions we have that there is about the Japanese real estate market is that buying a house is like buying a new car, okay? The moment you buy it, it's gonna lose 20% of its value or 25%. But this is not, not true at all. Um, houses have a, a, an accounting life. So by, by that, I mean um, accounting standards will have a depreciation timeline for a wooden or concrete building. Okay, uh, so a wooden building has a 23-year life and a concrete building has, I think it's a 47-year life, according to accounting rules. So that's a duration that you can depreciate the value of the property down to zero. But in practice, a 20-year wooden house is not is worth zero. It's not free. Okay, there still is a premium if it's in good condition and it doesn't need to be torn down. Also, in Tokyo... Um, and like most places actually, but in, in Tokyo, definitely there's a large value of the property price is, is land value. Okay. I'd say if you're looking at, um, 80 million yen of value, the structure itself is only worth maybe 20 or 25 million yen. All right. And, uh, 60 million yen or so is in the land value. So even a house that's 20 years old and the building value has gone down to half, all right, instead of being 80 million yen, it might just be six, uh, 65 or 70 million yen for that same property, all right? So it doesn't lose value the same as a used car. That idea that, oh, they tear down buildings after 20 years or they're worth nothing after 20 years is, uh, is, uh, is wrong, basically. So a new building is more expensive, but a used one, it's cheaper only for the land depreciation, uh, the building depreciation value. 
okay and that's a, a small amount um a new property does have the latest design and the fitting fittings um especially now <clears throat> uh we're a lot more conscious about um energy saving and energy efficiency so toilets um any kind of water taps uh insulation um win uh windows are double glazed and and so forth so with a new property you do get the newer um uh equipment and fittings excuse me uh and also with a new property it comes with a 10-year structural guarantee and often a, a one to two year guarantee on the appliances and the equipment so we have a, a panasonic kitchen um and a, a stovetop and so on if that fails within the first one uh, within the two years you still have the uh, manufacturer's warranty and then if there's anything structural like uh um with the the beams or waterproofing etc often with a brand new property that comes with a 10-year guarantee we're just buying a, a property for a client now and that building is three years old so that 10-year structural guarantee actually carries over to the the next buyer so they get a seven they have seven years remaining on their structural guarantee and if you purchase the property mid construction or early in the construction stage you can uh, often still have uh, they call it the color selection color select you can choose the color of the wallpaper maybe the flooring um kitchen cabinets and so on uh it really does depend on on the stage of of structure if the materials have already been bought or not but that's something that you can do with the used property as i mentioned it's cheaper but not not zero okay it's very hard to get something heavily discounted and also renovation costs aren't very cheap uh it's like from half a million to one million yen per 10 square meters and actually now costs have been increasing so if you think of a 80 square meter property that might cost you you know five to ten million yen in renovations and that really brings up the base value up uh, significantly compared to a, a new, like almost on par with a new property. Okay, so just something to consider. <clears throat> okay, now this is one of the more uh, important slides. And what what I'll do at, at the end of this one, I will sort of just ask for any. I'll pause for a moment to ask if there are any questions because people do often have some questions about things like this. So the first thing is the location. Okay, definitely being in Shibuya or Azabu area versus being out in Saitama is probably the the biggest deciding factor. Um, the next thing is distance from the station. Are you two or three minutes from the station or 25 minutes from the station? And often when, you know, people have been renting or looking, you'll, you'll always see that advertised as, oh, you know, seven minutes from the station. And you think, well, hold on, how, how is that calculated? Who's walking? Who's deciding this? But there is a guideline. Um, 80 meters is one minute. Okay. So if you're five minutes from the station, then it's about 400 meters from the nearest uh, entrance. It's not the platform, it's the station entrance or exit. Um, another big one is the size of both the land and the building, just how many square meters is it? Okay, so the first three are very, you know, uh, are very easy to understand. Um, 
the next other important one is the width of the street and access and the access street. So um, sometimes you'll see properties that are they're just located on a very narrow street. It's very narrow to get there. It could be very difficult to park a car. Um, maybe there's a street pole um, that like a, a power pole or something that's in a location that makes it very difficult to enter the enter the car or to drive a car in there. Those narrow streets end up being quite um, that discount the value of the land quite a bit, you know, 10 or 15 or even 20 percent, depending on on the situation. So this is something to keep an eye on, but is not necessarily a bad thing. So for me, I like, you know, when I was looking for my my homes, it's yeah, I've got little kids that I know they're going to play on the street. They're going to learn how to ride a bike there. We have a kick of the soccer ball out on the street. So being on these quiet streets with just not a lot of traffic is actually a benefit. Okay, so I'm getting a discount on the property and being in a nicer, quieter street is how I feel. But um, that's one of the, the significant factors in terms of pricing. Another one is a land orientation, like southeast facing gets the most amount of sunlight during uh, the, the winter and the colder months. And then during the hotter summer months, it avoids the harsh westerly sun. Okay, so the southeast corner blocks are, or southeast corner apartments are um, the most costly. And then the apartment floor, the higher the, the higher the floor, the more expensive the property is. You pay a bit of a premium for being higher up. Um, especially in the tower mansions. Um, and one th one thing that I did not put here as well is the age of the building. Okay, so age of the property does does make a difference. Um, but it depends whether it's a, a house or a mansion. There, there are a bunch of factors to um, uh, on top of just the, just the age. Now, some things to avoid. I'm going to mention them briefly here because it always comes up. People will jump on Sumo or on Homes or whichever uh, website and they'll do a search and they'll send me a link and say, Emil, I found this property. Look, it looks great. Can we look at it? And once they've been searching for a long time, it, they become familiar with sort of pricing and sizing and what to expect in their budget. And then all of a sudden they find something that's really great and they go, this is too good to be true. So the first thing you should check is, is at least land versus freehold. Okay, so it's quite common that there are properties that it's not freehold land, it's just leased. You rent it from a landowner. You own the building on top of it, but you don't own the land. You just have rental rights. And you need to pay monthly rent, anyway, from 30 to 100,000 yen a month for that. Um, generally, you can renew it, uh, but there are certain types of leased land contracts where you're not able to renew. These kind of properties are difficult to finance, they are difficult to resell, and um, often foreigners kind of don't like the idea of a, a lease land situation, like, well, hold on, I'm, I like, I want to buy real estate, I want to own it, not, not rent it. Okay, that's the reason I'm doing the, the purchase. So that's the first thing to look at. Um, and that will always be listed in the land rights. Is it freehold or is it leased land? And then the other two are, is it a non-regulation structure? So is it built just, is it, is it too large for that block of land? Okay, there's, uh, in Japan, 
residential land has different zoning and even commercial land has different zoning. So there's different footprints that you can build the, the size of the footprint of the building that you can build and the total square meter um, square meterage of the building of all the floors combined in proportion to the land. This is to control density. Now, it's it happens sometimes that people will, when they're building the property, they'll build it bigger than what is permitted. Okay, and that's going to become a non-regulation structure. In Japanese, they can call it your sekiritsu over. So your sekiritsu talks about the, the footprint ratio. And so it's over that ratio. So we tend to avoid those as well because you can't finance them. And so it has to be a cash-only purchase. Um, and you have the same issue when you try to resell it. And then last one is no rebuild allowed. Saikinshuku um, Fuka in Japanese. Um, and those are properties that are built sort of in the 60s and 70s. Uh, often they're towards the rear of, of uh, a development of maybe a few houses. And now the rule is any lot of land needs to have at least a two meter wide connection to the road. But uh, the old, but previous to these rules, there are some properties that have maybe just a one meter or 1.5 meter connection to the road. So imagine there's a very small pathway that you need to walk along to get to the to get to your property at the back. You can buy these buy these properties. You can renovate them, but you're not allowed to get plans and permits to build a new property. You can't tear it down and rebuild. So what happens is if it burns down, you you can't rebuild it. That's just an example of a worst case scenario. So um, banks don't want to finance it. It's very hard to to sell and is also heavily discounted in terms of the square meterage of land, but we avoid those. So if you see something that's a bit too good to be true, um, check, is it leased land? Is it a non-regulation structure and, or is it no rebuild allowed? If it's none of those, then just check. Maybe it's just on a, the width of the access street. Maybe it's just on a narrow street. And that's why it seems like good value. And in that case, that's not a deal breaker. Actually, you know, for some people that's a positive. Uh, if it's on a quiet street. So does anyone have any any questions um, about that? If you, if you do, just feel free to unmute and and ask. I'll just give it a few seconds and then we can carry on. <clears throat> okay. All right, so that's just the summary of, of the property itself. You know, the property search, some things to consider. Now let's talk about financing. Okay, this is probably the more interesting part for, uh, for foreigners that live here because we've heard so much about it. Let's, you know, it could be interesting to know, well, what's, what's actually available for me and realistically, what can I get? So when banks assess you for a home loan, there's a few key hurdles that you need to clear. The first one, um, and the one that confuses us the most, is um, about our residency status. What can we get? Okay, um, if you're a permanent resident versus a, on a spouse or a work visa. Okay? If you're a permanent resident, then fine, you can apply to any bank. 
if you're not, if you uh, have a, a work visa um, or a spouse visa, then generally um, you can still apply, but maybe the ratio is a little bit less. Um, or alternatively, um, oh, the next thing is, do you have a Japanese spouse? All right. Uh, because the banks are curious, uh, will, you, will you be here long term? Okay. Or will you just leave the country? So permanent residents clear that. Um, or if you have a Japanese spouse, then there are some banks that will consider that um, point and you clear that hurdle. Uh, the next one is your employment type. Are you a permanent employee or a contractor? Okay, Sei Shayin or Keiyaku Shayin or Haken Shayin. The length of employment. I had an inquiry from someone who's, they've just been employed for three months at their company. So that's uh, a little bit more challenging, you know, Generally, 12 months or more than 12 months is good. Uh, the, the size of the employer, is it a small company with only three staff or four staff? Or is it your own company? Are you the boss? Okay, that's, um, that's also an important consideration. Um, <clears throat> and also, the big one is your income. How much can you borrow? All right, so we'll look at that um, uh, in a bit. So the only things that for a foreigner really that you need to consider that's different is your residency status and if you have a Japanese spouse, okay? Apart from that, once you clear those, everything else will get assessed the same as a Japanese uh, citizen. You know, your employer, length of employment, the size of the company, how long you've been there and your income. Now, people often, when I present this, we'll take photos or take shots of this slide because like, well, okay, I need to know, I need to understand all of this. Um, this is just really an example of what different banks require. Um, and it's, and you, you look at it and go, hold on, so many banks require different things. In this case, you know, one bank A wants, you must have the permanent residency and you must be three years at the same company and you must speak Japanese, okay? Then you know, bank B, will be okay if you don't have permanent residency, but you need to be married, okay? You need to be more than five years in Japan, okay? You need to be at the same employer for a certain length of time. Uh, bank C's like, I, and I've had this a few times actually, where people have applied for permanent residency, okay? They've, they've been here for 10 years or so and they've applied for their PR, but permanent residency now takes, you know, 10 to 12 months for the application. And they think, look, I'm just having a baby. I don't have time to wait for it. So there are some banks that will be okay as long as you're in the process of it. Um, other banks will, um, will give you 80% financing if you don't have permanent residency. So um, this is really just to give you an idea that there's so many different banks with different criteria and different scenarios. One thing that I think we do very well is that we understand the different situations that foreigners often have in terms of their combination of these. And just from speaking with you when we do like our one hour sort of Zoom consultation is I'm able to ask you these relevant questions and say, well, I think in your case, you know, bank B or bank E is gonna be the most suitable, all right? And when I say most suitable, my goal is to try to get you 105% financing at the very cheap interest rates. Okay, that's that's the idea. And I think because of the experience we have with foreigners, we're able to do this better than than most other uh, typical Japanese agencies. Okay. 
This is also why often um, when, you're, when you're living in Japan, you hear so many different stories about my friend was able to get a loan without permanent residency and they could get 100% financing. Or my, per, my friend didn't have PR and they said, nope, not at all. Or my, you know, or all the different sort of um, bits and pieces that you hear. You don't really know their exact circumstance or what the requirements were for the bank. And although they, their experience is with one particular bank, maybe there's another bank that could have given them a better deal, which they just weren't aware of, or their agent was not aware of. So don't try to listen to your friends and make an assessment. The best thing is to uh, have a Zoom call with me and I can sort of do the, the, um, the discussion about your specifics and figure out which bank is, is most suitable. Now, now we move on just to sort of your salary, your gross annual salary, how much you get paid from your company, assuming you're just a salaried employee. So on your annual tax withholding slip, the Gensen Choshu here, it says how much you've earned for the year. Usually a simple rule is you can get about seven to eight times your annual income. Okay. So if your salary is 10 million yen, you can borrow 70 to 80 million yen from the bank okay and that can be including all the closing costs as well uh, in that amount and on you know uh, actually interest rates are uh, a bit lower but on about a 0.7 percent uh interest rate a 35-year loan term you're going to be paying about twenty-seven thousand yen a month per 10 million yen so if you borrow 100 million yen then you'll be paying two hundred seventy thousand yen a month if you borrow 75 million yen, you'll be paying about 200,000 yen a month. Okay, so these are the kind of two numbers that you need to know um, is how much you can borrow is seven to eight times your annual income. And your repayment is about 27,000 yen per 10 million yen that you borrow. Right, so if you borrow 50 million yen, just do five times 27,000. And that's your monthly repayment of principal and interest. Okay, now we talk about the costs involved, all right? Um, and often people, you know, people have heard, oh, you need, you know, 10% closing costs, 5% closing costs, and, but you're not sure with a great deal of confidence how accurate it is, what it includes. Is there something they're missing that is not in these costs? But um, yeah, usually that's about right. Six to 8% is what, what we see. And these include, the um and this is six to eight percent of the property value okay so it includes um the registration cost which is uh, the scrivener and the government taxes so the scrivener is the lawyer that they use to to do the um title transfer and title changes and then there's government taxes that you need to pay when you transfer a title in australia that's called stamp duty um uh, but in Japan, it's included in the registration fees, the Toki here, and they are combined. Um, uh, agency fee, which is where we get our commission, it's 3% plus 60,000 yen plus uh, 
10% tax, sales tax. So that 3% is of the, the property price, again, 6,000 yen, and then uh, the shohize, the sale consumption tax on that. Um, stamp taxes are, you know, about 30, like, you know, 30 to 100,000 yen is common. 160,000 is getting a little bit, you know, when you get well over 100 million yen or 150 million yen property cost. Uh, the next one is loan life insurance. Okay, so when you take out a loan, it comes out, it comes with life insurance included in it. Sometimes they call it as hoshorio, um, uh, insurance fee. Sometimes they'll call it um, uh, uh, just a jimotesurio, loan administration fee or office fee. So sometimes you'll have to pay the 2.2%. There are some scenarios where you don't need to pay that. Okay. And that's probably the big one that changes it from being 6% closing costs to 8% closing cost. So if you opt for the one without the loan, uh, without with this fee sort of included in the interest, you're up for 6% of closing costs. Um, otherwise, it will jump up to 8%. The annual asset tax, okay, um, is so every year in January, the asset asset tax, which ends up realistically being about a quarter of percent of the property value. Um, when you buy it, if you buy it in this on December first, for example, you'll have to pay daily pro rata. So, for the remainder of the year, you'll pay the seller, you know, thirty one days of the annual tax. And then there's the fire insurance, fire and earthquake insurance, which is about a hundred thousand yen a year. I'd say for for a building, for an apartment, it's less. But for a, a house, it'll be about a hundred thousand yen per year you'll need to pay for fire and earthquake insurance. So these are some examples of properties that we, uh, um, we've dealt with recently. Okay, you know, the property price, the registration agency fees, the stamp taxes, insurance, etc. And so on a 71 million yen property, it was 5 million yen of costs. On a 92 million yen property, it was uh, about 6 million yen of costs. Okay. Now, when we talk uh, in one of the earlier slides about financing, I said there's um, you can get 105% loans. And what that refers to is including all these closing costs in the loan. Okay, so I'll give you some examples, uh, I think, in a second of, of how that worked out. So actually, very recently, um, We've had uh, two um, two sales, like in August and November. So in August, there was we had a client. He didn't have permanent residency. Okay, no permanent residency. Doesn't speak Japanese, but his wife is Japanese. He was able to. Uh, he bought a used uh, tower mansion in the Azabu area in Sh near Shirokane. It was one hundred fifty-five million yen for the property. The closing costs came to just about ten million yen. So he borrowed 165 million. Okay, so 100% of the property cost plus all the closing costs. So there was no money outlay from him at all. And the interest rate was 0 0.29. Okay. And the, the loan, the repayment terms are 413,000 yen per month. And that's over a 35 year loan term. 
Okay. <clears throat> the other case, um, which we're actually going to settle on the, the fifth, on the tenth, on Friday, is actual settlement for this uh, property. Everything's been locked in, and they get the keys on uh, um, on Friday. This person is a permanent residency holder. Okay, it's their second house. They bought their first house um, almost ten years ago, but they, they've outgrown it. Their apartment. Um, since that time, the you usually can only get one home, like one home loan rather. The banks won't finance you to buy multiple homes because you can only really have one primary residence. In this person's case, uh, his income grew significantly over the past decade, and now he has enough borrowing capacity on his income to actually purchase more. And the bank does not require him to sell his first property. So he might just keep that and rent it out is the current plan. Um, with the new property, um, it's in Setagaya. Um, it's 119 million yen. It's a 1986 used house Okay, in Setagaya, 119 million yen. His closing costs come to 6 million yen. Okay. Uh, he's getting 125 million yen of financing. So all the costs, everything uh, in, included, and his interest rate is also 0.29%. All right. Uh, and also for him, there's zero cash outlay. And his loan repayments are 351,000 yen uh, a month. It says here his loan term is 31 years. So I'll just explain that briefly. Uh, once, uh, often, home loans are for 35 year loan terms okay that's kind of the maximum and the, the norm one of the rules is though it must be paid off by your 80th birthday so it's a maximum of 35 years or by your 80th birthday so <clears throat> this person here was already 48 years old so he's got you know it's going to be 31 years left until his 80th birthday so the maximum loan term he could get was 31 years so once you get over 45 your loan term decreases by one year for each birthday that you have. And that means your borrowing capacity decreases by a few percent every year. So I do tell people, you know, if you want to, if you want to borrow a lot, try, try to get, do it before you're, uh, you're 45. Otherwise each year you wait, your borrowing capacity decreases. Oops. Okay, um, I want to touch on investment loans now. I have been getting, yeah, pretty more recently, we've been looking at investment properties. There are lots of uh, foreigners that, uh, that live here that think, look, I've already got a place. Now I've got extra cash. I want to buy a property that just a, a, and maybe an, a small building that will just give me rental, rental return. And so we had someone uh, just last month purchase a property was 34 million yen it's just outside of tokyo in saitama and it's a i think it was an 18 year old 17 or 18 year old building kind of the size of a large house two-story house but there's two apartments downstairs and two apartments upstairs like one ldk uh unit um and his closing costs on this property were 2.5 million yen he got a loan of 24 million yen. So that's about a 70%, I think, uh, loan. 
And so he had to pay about 12 million yen cash out of pocket. So with an investment property, often you'll need to put about 20, maybe 30% deposit. And the interest rate is 2.7%, right? Often it's two point, like, you know, from two to 3% is what you'll see for investment loans. Um, it's not the same as same deal as a home loan, which is why I encourage people to go for a home loan first, because it's just a better deal and then worry about buying an investment property. So he had to put 12 million in cash outlay from um, himself. And he's, he's a bit uh, of an older gentleman. He's got 22 years left on uh, of the loan to repay. And his mortgage repayment is 160,000 yen a month. But this property gets about 7% rental yield. So he gets a little over um, 200 and I think um, maybe 210 or 220,000 yen a month as the the monthly uh, rental from that property. And then he sort of pays this and he keeps the rest for himself. Okay, let's, sorry, let's move on. Okay, is, is everyone good up, up until here? We can continue. Okay, great. Okay, moving forward to so action items. So often people want to know, well, how do I buy a property? So now we've, we've discussed sort of the different types of properties. We've discussed um, uh, financing. So now if we want to move forward, what, how does it work? What's it look like? So let's say we find a property that we like. So a client will sort of reach out and say, Emil, you know, this is what I'm interested in. I'll send a bunch of listings to them. Okay, after we have our, our consult, initial sort of Zoom Zoom call, I'll send them a bunch of listings or perhaps they jump on Sumo or Homes or whatever Japanese websites and send me some links for properties that they like. And then we'll go and view them. Once we find a property that you like, we apply for the bank pre-approval. Okay, and the, the bank pre-approval um, is, again, based on your financial situation and your residency. I'll discuss with different banks and identify which is the best bank to get you the best kind of loan. We don't receive any kickback or any commission for from, from the banks. So our ideal situation is to get you the best loan term. We don't have any incentive to use any particular bank. And if you want to get financing yourself, that's fine. You can try as well, but I'm quite confident that we're able to get it faster and more efficiently than uh, than you are, you know, we just do it more, more often and have better connections with the banks. So we apply for a loan pre-approval and once you have the pre-approval, we can make an offer with the seller and um, actually negotiate the price. Without pre-approval, the sellers and don't take us too seriously because they don't know if we can even finance it or not. Once we've agreed on the uh, um, the price and the contract day, then we'll actually go and sign the contract. Okay. And when you go and sign the contract of sale, that's when you pay about a 5% deposit and the deal is locked in. Okay. Up until the contract of sale, there's no obligation at all. Okay. You can cancel at any time, but once the contract is signed, you pay 5% deposit, then there's penalty fees for canceling. If you want to cancel, you forfeit your deposit. 
if the seller wants to cancel, they must refund your deposit and pay the same amount as your deposit as a penalty fee, as a cancellation. So that's why we don't like to do, you know, 500,000 yen or 1 million yen as a deposit because it doesn't really secure either party. Either of them can really just cancel if they wish and just exit the uh, 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 exit the deal with just a 1 million yen penalty on a 100 million yen kind of property. Once that contract is signed, we begin the formal bank application. All right, up until this stage, we've only got the pre-approval. So when we get the, so what we do with the formal bank application is we, the contract that we sold with, that we signed with the seller, we will send a copy of that to the bank. And they will give us, it takes seven to 14 days for the formal approval. Usually if we have a pre-approval, it's very unlikely that they will um, not give us the formal approval. But let's say, for example, the bank does reject us for some reason. Um, in the contract of sale, there is a clause that it is subject, it's called the subject to finance clause. If for some reason we do not get the formal approval, then we can be refunded our deposit. So there's no risk of losing that deposit. But what happens is after we've um, gotten the formal bank approval, we then go sign a, the bank loan contract. So it's the, the formal loan agreement with the bank. And then um, about seven to 10 days later, we actually have settlement. And on settlement day, we'll either go to the bank or to our office in Ibis. And the bank will transfer all the funds from, from the bank into your personal bank account. And then from your personal bank account, all the funds will get transferred out to the seller, um, to the scrivener, to uh, the agent, and everything gets paid. And we're usually sitting in the office, the bank or our office. The scrivener is also there. The scrivener will confirm that, yes, the funds have been transferred. Everything's been received. You will have both the seller and buyer sign some documents. And then the scrivener will go to the Ministry of Affairs and perform the uh, the actual um, uh, uh, title transfer, okay? And that happens on the, the day of settlement. This whole process takes about four to six weeks, okay? Four weeks, if we really rush it, um, six weeks is kind of a, quite, a, quite a comfortable pace. Once you sign the contract of sale with the seller, though, it is off the market and the seller won't be trying to sell it or won't, um, uh accept any other offers because there's a the deposit is the penalty fee for cancelling it and they usually don't want to deal with that <clears throat> okay oh, sorry <laughs> all right so next steps so now sort of we, we discuss all the process so um the next step is find an agent and have an initial consultation I hope that's, you know, if you are looking for a, a home in Tokyo, then you can reach out to me and that's what I do. Otherwise, look, if you're in a different area, different prefecture or whatnot, and I can't really do that, support you with that, then just find a local agent that you're comfortable with, go into different branches, find someone local um, and and just talk to them, okay, about your, your needs and your requirements. They should also have contacts with banks um, and can give you, 
you know, ideas on um, financing options. Then you schedule to see some properties, okay? Given them the requirements, <clears throat> go out and view a bunch of properties. And at the same time, the agent should be talking with the banks to get the financing ready. And then when you find the right place, you make an offer, okay? And once you've made the offer, then you go through this process here, what we just uh, discussed. Um, if you're self-employed or a business owner, often people in this scenario are either not paying themselves a great deal of money or their numbers are in a way that the um, their income is quite low, okay, to manage tax. So they probably cannot borrow as much as they want. Uh, so it's important to discuss this and be considerate of this in advance because it may take one to two years of you, um, you know, deciding that you deserve more income um, or you need to grow your business larger um, to have more revenue in order to uh, be able to get the financing that you want. Okay, almost there. And now for people who are interested in uh, having a consultation with me, please, um, you can uh, visit the realestate.jp website and just click on book a Zoom meeting, or you can scan this QR code. Usually, or you can email me, um, you know, uh, sales at realestate.jp. Okay, and we can usually, look, it takes 45 minutes to one hour is the, the call length. And I'll really discuss your um, either your financing situation and also your requirements for a property and see if we're able to help and whatnot. So um, if I jump onto here, okay. You can click on the, the top right here, book a Zoom meeting. I was got book a meeting here, but on the top right, book a Zoom meeting with Emil. And I've opened up my schedule for the week. So you can just book any of these days coming up next week. You can just select a time. Click next. There are a few questions just about, you know, your name and email, phone number, what kind of property you're looking for, your spouse, um, uh, so your, your visa situation, et cetera, family situation, approximate income and employment, and then schedule the event and you'll automatically get a Zoom link and I'll come in my calendar as well. And then we can uh, meet and discuss your, your situation. So that's it for us um, for this presentation. Let's see. Um, yeah, now I'll just open up for Q&A. So if anyone uh, has any questions, please, yeah, just you can unmute and um, feel free to ask. So I have a question. How would, is it possible to get a loan with Japanese bank if majority of your income comes from a different country, United States in my case? Uh, usually no. So that's a, a very common question that we have. Um, so it's, if you're so sorry, you're a resident here in Japan. No, I'm not a resident. I'm going to be a business manager visa, but oh, okay. not so, Japanese spouse. Okay, so 
if you're on a business manager visa, so it's there's a few hmm, a few situations. So look, let's just assume you're you live here, you're you know you're you're resident, even even if you're a Japanese citizen, okay. Um, and I've had this before. I've had someone who they work remotely for a an American company in IT, and all their money is paid in the US and then they will remit that money from the US to Japan um, and declare it locally in the, the tax office. The Japanese banks did not want to work with them. The Japanese banks were like, well, we don't know that company, that employer, so we're not going to give them financing. All right, is what uh, what they'll say. Uh, if If you're here on a business manager visa though, and you're paid a salary from the company. If that business that you're operating in Japan is getting has US income, so for example, they've got a US client, and that money is getting paid to the Japanese entity, and then that Japanese entity is paying you as regular domestic income, that's a bit different because the Japanese entity is just getting business revenue, be it domestically or overseas. And that's more acceptable. Okay, because they see you as an individual are getting paid a Japanese salary from a Japanese entity. Um, even though you're probably the representative director, is that correct? Yes, a representative director and the company is actually a subsidiary of US office. Oh, okay. Um, okay, but so you're not the owner of it, you're just sent here to be like, is, is it a large US company? Um, no, not really. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. It's I a real estate company that me and my husband both own. Okay. Yeah. We, we have that sometimes. So if it's like an LLC or just a small company there, yes. then, and you, yeah, and you are just here, then they'll consider, look, that company is really just you, right? The one in the US. This is a bit different that let's say, you know, I have some people that, um, like one person now, he works for a, um, uh, was it like it's a it's quite a large company and he's he's sent over here for uh what do you call it like he's the the daihyo of the japanese entity he's he's sent to establish the japanese office but he's not the owner of the company it's quite a large multinational company he's employed to be the i believe it's a french company actually uh he's just his job is to start up the business here so the banks will look at that a little bit differently because they go okay it's not just him. It's not his own business. So they treat that different. But in general, if you're the representative director, um, even if you are just a local resident and your business is 100% here, if you're the Daihyo Toshi Mariyaku, the banks will want 20% deposit. That's even for Japanese citizens. And that would be for investment only or for home purchases? Well? For home purchases. Now, would the interest for investment purchase get any lower because I do not need to buy a home? No. Like, no. Okay. No. The the um, if it's for your personal home, you get those sub one percent interest rates. If it's for an investment property, it will be you know two to three percent. I have seen some banks even offer three point nine, almost four percent. Um, they'll give you a bit more money, but the terms are. The interest rate just makes it not not so viable. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Sure.
And you do work with Saitama, right? Since you had a case with them, or was um, that a one-time thing? Uh, that was. It depends where in Saitama as well. Um, if it's look, if it's for a house search, generally no, because we have to visit a lot. But if it's for an, just in, an entire investment building, and in often, yeah, often with the investment properties, um, they are not like they're they're tenanted, so we can't even view inside. So really, it just becomes look. What are the numbers? What's the age of the building, the location? Um, what's the rental return? And and if you want to have a look at the building, um, you can sort of just go and have a look yourself. I don't, you know, um, maybe only after you've decided, we may go and meet and visit once around the outside. But in yeah, that's something we can do almost entirely remotely. Uh, that could be possible, but. In general, it depends on the budget. Like thirty or forty million yen and above, is what uh, we'd be looking at. And the down payment is minimum twenty percent would be for investment loan. Yeah, minimum. So it's twenty percent. But what we've been getting recently is the banks will pay twenty percent of the assessed value, and their assessment value will often be you know not a hundred percent of the purchase price. They may assess it at you know, 90% of the property value. So although they say we'll give you 80%, their assessment is only 90% of the purchase price and they're giving 80% of their 90% assessed value. So in practice, it might be closer to 30% um, cash out of pocket you need to pay. So it's 30% for that plus, you know, six to 8% closing costs. So you you need maybe you know thirty five, you know about thirty five percent almost of cash. So yeah, if you okay. want to go that route, yeah, definitely it's possible. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. I have a question, Emil. Yes. Hi, I'm curious if the. If you are, if you have your heart set on a house, for instance, detached that is twenty years old, will the bank still give you full funding for that? Yes, yeah, 20, 20 years is not too old for um for a house. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's completely fine. So this one that we are buying, I think in one of the finance examples, I said it was one hundred and nineteen million yen in Setagaya. That's a 1986 built property. So, and they're giving banks giving 105% financing. So yeah, it is possible. If it's for an investment, it's a little bit different. For an investment, the banks will think, look, this building has 20, you know, 23 years or 40 years, depending if it's concrete or wood, of usable life. And if it's already 20 years old, there's not a lot of years left of usable life by accounting standards. But if it's your personal home, then no, it's okay. Great, thank you. No problem. Okay. Any other questions? Hi, um, sorry, Fabian Street speaking here. Uh, no camera because of time zone difference. Oh, no, 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 no worries. Uh, I, I realize maybe you've been going for a while already because um, I think recently we changed the winter time, and so we're an hour late. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, my question is relating to specifically Kyoto. 
Mm-hmm. And um, we're planning to um, save up some money to buy a family or uh, a family holiday home there in 2026. And um, I've read that Kyoto specifically has, is planning to introduce a new Akia law in 2026 to charge more tax on Akia. Is that something you're, you were already aware of? Um, I have heard some stuff about Akia countermeasures, and it's not just um, Kyoto. It's, there's lot, lots of places. Uh, I know one of the big issues that there are around the um around japan is they don't know who the owners of a lot of these properties are so on the actual land type on the title let's say it becomes an inheritance and people are meant to inherit the property and it gets divided to you know three or five different people and then those people are maybe not updating their addresses on the title because it costs money you need a scrivener to update the the address on the title it becomes a complete mess. And these are properties from, from years and years ago. And in order to sell or transfer it, you need everyone on the title, all the owners to approve and sign off on it. Um, and then it has a name, you know, Yamada Taro is not a unique name. So you got these name and an address, but you have no idea that address is from 30 years ago, 40 years ago. So they're having difficulty finding people. So one of the rules that they've been talking about is maybe requiring people to update their address on it so that's one form of of you know the regulation change in order to try to mitigate this akia situation where they cannot find the owners um i'm not sure about kyoto's specific rule and what they're going to implement but yeah akia sort of are are a problem yeah. um, in japan and it's sort of both wasted space and also a danger and a fire hazard is yeah. one way issues they're concerned about so I, I don't know about kyoto's specific one but yes there are definitely in japan uh um move there's movement happening to try to you know okay. work on this, the akia issue um so my question is kind of on on from that is um uh this is something i've read today, that they're introducing this law in 2026 so um i'm kind of assuming and i would love to have your opinion on it that that would mean that there will be a lot of, lot more people than than now, or be more urgency to get rid of their akia, and it's um, uh, because the, the the tax is supposedly quite steep uh, in Kyoto specifically, the city, and uh, would be ideal for us because we would would be looking specifically for an akia in the city of Kyoto. Uh, is it kind of like a Anton situation where we'd like to DIY it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, did you live here right now? or? Uh, I don't know. We live in London um, and my brother is local. He lives in Tokyo. So um, that's convenient for us in terms of having someone on the ground. Yeah. But um, we don't live there now. Yeah. So I'm not, I've never really dealt with Akia. Um, I've seen them, I've visited some, but yeah, I've, I've never dealt with it myself. So I don't, uh, I can't really give a good, um, any real good information about that? It both, yes, if the, if it's changing, they may be more available and people may be more, you know, um, keen to get rid of these properties if the taxes are increasing. But there could be some Akia which are just, they don't even know who the owner is, right? So that becomes, you need to go to Akia banks and then there's different processes involved. 
I do think because of that, there will be people um, like Anton, for example, uh, who um, have businesses that just cater to doing selling these akia. Okay, so that could be an avenue that you can explore, which is going to be easier than you trying to just navigate it yourself. Um, you you won't get it as cheap. Of course, there'll be a premium for that service. But I think with a lot of these real estate services, they're going to do stuff that you probably cannot do yourself. And even though you have to pay them a service fee, it's your end result might be a better property than what you could have found trying to do it on your own. But uh, in terms of actual, you know, the timing and how it works and whether it's, you know, going to be a great opportunity, what the market is, how the market is going to react, I'm not too sure about um, uh, about that. How about how quickly it will happen? They can say, look, in 2026, we're introducing this tax, this additional tax for Akia. You need to do something with the property. But all of a sudden, right away, everyone's going to jump and start um, uh selling the Akia, I think it's going to be a more gradual uh, transition than that, as as I've seen a lot of times in Japan. Understood. Um, if I can uh, just elaborate a little bit, uh, we are both uh, architects, so we have a, a skill set that will be somewhat useful in, in doing part of it ourselves, at least. And um, I appreciate that that your talks more about financing. This might not be your bag, but um, where do you think would be a good start? Because financing wise, I think we're trying to do it low budget as possible, but mostly cash by ourselves to uncomplicate things. Mm -hmm. um, where do you think we might start building a network of people that we can ask to help us out with that, like services that you said, or just local people, as a, as a real estate involved person in Japan, where do you think we should be looking? Okay, so financing, if you're not resident here, you won't be able to get financing. So you can think of it, everything's gonna be cash, um, a cash yeah. cost. Uh, usually I tell people, look, in, find a local area, find an agent in your, in the local area, they will know some properties. Okay, if you want to ask for Akia, they, they will be able to point you out to, okay, this little, this, you know, I know this group of people that are that do Akia in, in Kyoto, for example. They'll just have experience. In the same way, if you ask me for Akia in Tokyo, I'll probably put you onto Anton because he's got the most experience. He doesn't really do um, sales for individuals, but he's probably one of the people to speak to who can point you in the right direction. Um, okay. Because it's not my, yeah, not what I do. But I think if you keep it local, especially when you talk about Akia, Akia mm -hmm. is not just, I can't just jump on the national database and find Akia, these vacated or abandoned properties. So yeah, speak with someone local. And also then they will also have experience with renovation companies, okay? Um, or any kind of architects in the area or, um, and they can share their network and then you can sort of inquire and find out about, um, you know, what uh, who can do what for you. But yeah, I think the first thing is just find an agent locally and, and they can do that. So for example, someone comes to us and they want to buy a place locally, then yeah, I can find an ordinary property. And then when it comes to renovation, well, 
uh, our office has a renovation team. Okay, so we can do renovations, we can do property management. We have uh, almost a thousand properties, like 950 or so um, properties under property management. So, you know, we can also advise on and take care of um, rental rental management for properties after, you know, if you're not in town or if it's an investment property. Again, just within sort of Tokyo, within like an hour of, of our office in Ibis. Uh, but yeah, someone local will will be able to either they do it in-house or they know the tradespeople that can help you. So that's why I say just ask locally. Um, you can ask us, but our renovation team won't go down to Kyoto to do work. Mm-hmm. It's feasible. Yeah. Do you happen to know any good companies in Kyoto? Just asking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Sorry. I don't. I haven't really dealt with with Kyoto. Um. You know. I'm just really. I, I focus primarily in Tokyo. So yes, I can't can't assist there anymore. That's all right. Thank you. Thank you for your insight. No worries. Okay. And I do have another question about loans in Japanese banks. Do they accept collateral, like a property to increase, I don't know, my ability to, you know, for the amount of loan? For example, now was this for a home loan or for investment? I uh, no, for investment. For example, so I have a home and it's fully paid off. What if I would do a I don't know a twenty percent or thirty percent down payment for an investment loan and say, well, how about I put also my house as a collateral? Um, is, is the property in Tokyo? Uh, Kawaguchi. Okay. Um, they. I know some banks have uh, can do that, but I don't have any experience with that right now. Um, my experience with investment loans is really they just they they don't the the property that they're buying is the collateral. Um, the the owners that I, I work with don't have uh, another um, uh, was it don't have another property uh, which they can use as collateral. Okay. So, um, yeah, you could possibly find something, but not. Um, uh, that's I don't have experience with that. Also, when you're buying an investment property like that, they will look at your income as well. It's like how much can you borrow based on you as an individual? Okay, so that might be, you know, if you're not paying yourself a lot or it's a, uh, you know, or whatnot, then. They'll say, well, hold on, you you can borrow X amount. We'll only give you 80% based on your income or 70%. So even if you have the collateral, um, I think your income makes uh, is is, an, is a deciding factor in that. Okay. Thank you. And they will also look at both your income and because you're the representative director, they will look at the PL of the company and they don't like it if it's in the red. Okay, if you have your own branch here in Japan, um, it needs to be in the black, not in the red, for and generally for at least two years. So just something to keep in mind. They will look at your company's uh, financial statements. Now, what is the what if the company, the whole purpose of the company is to, is to start buying investment properties in Japan? Uh, then in that case, you're better off 
looking at financing just for the company, not via yourself. Sorry, I was speaking under the impression that your your company you're establishing is a different kind of business. But if you're now looking just for um, having a company to get business loans, and that company is going to invest, then yes, you can you can uh, find banks that will finance business loans according to your um, like just to your company. And then they start assessing more on the property itself, not on your individual income. Would that be something that you would work with as well? Um, I, it really depends on sort of the location and the, the, uh, the budget. Um, but also I don't, like right now, the only bank that I know that sort of works with that is uh, there, there's one, but we haven't, uh successfully completed a transaction with them yet um but yeah that's something we could definitely uh work on however they give only about 60 percent financing so it's about 60 percent financing i think uh, loan establishment fee is 3.3 percent of the loan value and they just work in properties like the the nicer properties in the tokyo area they don't deal sort of in in other prefectures um, Tokyo, maybe Kanagawa. Uh, I don't, I haven't seen them sort of really, um, show much interest in, in regions outside of, outside of those. Okay. Got it. Thank you. No worries. But yeah, uh, Lulia, um, if you like, you can schedule a meeting with me and we can sort of talk a bit more specifics about, you know, your, your, the business and the numbers and, and whatnot, uh, if you're interested, I feel that you've got, you know, quite a, a unique, as everyone does, but, you know, a, not such a clear cut sort of scenario in terms of your employment and your business and your strategy. So that's where we really need to sort of find specific details and identify what might be the, the best option moving forward for you. I did figure we're going to need a meeting. I just thought maybe I'll ask some questions now and get at least something. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think right now they tend to be sort of general kind of responses because uh, then, like, you know, I don't want to talk about, well, how much, you know, your, your company finances and the numbers. And, yeah, I probably and, won't say that to you right now anyway. Yeah, exactly, right. Yeah, this is, so uh, th that kind of stuff is why we like to have the, the private one-on-one -on -one calls to really okay. uh, hash that out and get a better idea. Okay. Oh, sounds good. Fantastic. Okay. Um. So if anyone else has a, another question, please uh, feel free to unmute and you can ask. Otherwise, uh, I might uh, wrap this up. Just a very quick uh, generic one <laughs> before we sure. leave. Um, do you feel like over the last couple of years, or do you see currently an uptick in foreigners coming to buy in Japan? Yes, yeah. Um, so, there's two two types of about this foreigners coming to buy so there are lots of foreigners moving to japan but the most of my clients there this i have two types of clients one is the long-term residents like myself and they're buying their personal homes um and now it's just becoming more they're becoming more comfortable there's just more foreigners sort of that are buying properties it it's the idea of buying and living here for a long time is just becoming more and more 
common. Um, this was also amplified during COVID because that was a really good time that people could see how comfortable Japan was during COVID. It wasn't chaotic. There was no real big political outrage um, and conflict and disputes that you had polarizing many other countries like in the US, in Australia, in the UK. You know, a lot of a lot of Western countries were very polarized about, you know, about masks and vaccines. Whereas Japan, I think did a you know, the, you know, everyone just wore a mask because it's culturally sort of what what they do when they're sick. It wasn't political. Um, vaccines were sort of, you know, were not sort of really pushed or required. People were getting them, but if people didn't want to get them, it wasn't overly forced. There was no, you're not vaccinated, so you can't work, right? That we had in other countries. So a lot of foreigners in Japan were like, hold on, this when when you know when it when stuff really hits the fan, it's like, okay, this is actually a safe, comfortable place. Like we still have our sanity here to a degree. Um, so they decided, okay, you know what? Actually, I'm okay <laughs> buying here. I don't actually like the idea. What I see my country going through right now doesn't is not very attractive. So at this, you know, a little bit into COVID, um, those years, 2020, 2021 was really, really busy for me actually. Um, with foreigners being more comfortable to buy and going, yep, yeah, let's let's do this. And now, um, with the low US, with the low yen, especially the US dollar, I'm having lots of cash investors. Anyone with US dollar savings, um, and usually they're people that have some kind of connection to Japan. So I'm getting people that either have done some, like the foreign couples that have done some type of university exchange or high school exchange or just love Japan and like the idea of coming here, you know, um, two to four months a year in the spring and, and autumn time, that they're ready to just buy a holiday house because it's cheap. Or if it's a couple where one spouse is Japanese, so I get lots of Americans where there'll be a Japanese wife, they think, okay, it's completely, you know, we can see in our future that we're going to be back and forth to Japan regularly. And Japan is 20 to 40% discounted just for, because of the yen over the past several years. So now is a, a really good time to buy. So that's what we're what we're seeing now. That sounds good. Um, yeah. Um, and now one to completely change tack. tack sorry, it's more about my brother. My brother is a, um, has been a student there for the last four years on okay. student visas, and uh, he's now looking for a job, which is not that not that easy apparently. And <laughs> he's planning to stay and get a full time job. At what point? Do you think it would be feasible for him to think about buying a home? How many years of employment? What kind of stability? Mm. Look, if he gets a just a regular salaried employee job, um, and he's on a work, he goes from student visa to a work visa, then about twelve months of employment, he can buy a place. But remember, it's you know seven to eight times his income. But because he doesn't have permanent residency and he's likely unmarried. It will be a, um, he'll need a 20% deposit. Okay. okay. Is going to be expected. But also, if he's, you know, in his early 20s, possibly the property that he buys now um, may not be something he wants. Like, it depends on his stage of life. Like, it may not be the family home that he wants um, in, in the future. It's really just a, for several years. 
if he's got a girlfriend or fiance and he's looking to get married soon, then maybe depends on the stage of life. It's better to search for something that's going to be more suited to family. Um, I tell people if you choose a place that you want to stay at least like three to five years. Okay, it's going to do a good job for say the next five years because of the you know six to eight percent closing costs. And then when you sell a property, there's three percent fees you need to pay to the agent when you sell. There's almost ten percent in fees for each time you buy and sell a property in total. So you only kind of get that back after about three to five years of living there in terms of the mortgage repayment. So he shouldn't buy a place that he thinks oh, I'm only going to be here for one or two years. And then I'm going to, it's not going to be suitable anymore, which I think if he's just finished university, just started a job, his first place now with his, like his first job is going to be the most amount of money he's ever had. Right. Uh, I know that that was my experience and it's still not going to be a lot. He may think he's done great, but maybe in three years or so, he'll be in a much better position to, to buy something nicer than what he was in year one of employment. So maybe at his stage, don't rush into it. Um, he doesn't want to make the bad choice that he needs to change in, in two or three years time. So that's probably my only caution to someone who's just started work is, uh, yeah, that sound advice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, look, if he's been working for a year or so, he should be able to get that financing and maybe he's either got money saved up. Um, but if he's anything like I was when I was a student, probably he probably doesn't have a lot of money. Um, yeah. If, yeah. If the family's willing to support him and give him some funds for the 20% deposit, which is not uncommon, sure. He can get a place after about a year of employment just needs to make sure that I think is, um, buy a place that you want to be there for at least three to five years yeah agreed and you i remember you saying something in the q a last time about um if you're not a permanent resident then the interest rates are a little bit higher is that true is a, a is are there two mm -hmm. i heard something about very low in the one percent range when you're permanent resident and people who had not gotten their permanent residence yet something in the two two point something percent range um, uh, that was like for business loans and, and whatnot. Okay. Um, but probably you can get, uh, I think even around like points, if you put 20% deposit about 0.7%. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's still, it's still a good deal. Okay. That's very good to know. Uh, but so the, it wouldn't finance everything and the, and the, and the fees, it would just be a 20% deposit and and then the rest of the cost, excluding the fees? or uh, So the bank will give 80% of the property price. Yeah, okay. So you need to put 20% deposit plus the closing, plus the fees. Okay, got it. Great, no that's, that's very helpful. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you too. Last one for me. Okay. Anything else? Awesome. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up now. Thank you, everyone, for your time. I, I do appreciate this. And uh, yeah, if you do want to, um, if you do have any other questions um, or want to do a consultation, please just uh, jump uh, to the realestate.jp website. There'll be a uh, book a Zoom meeting with me. I've opened up the calendar for next week. Um, so it's going to be easy to schedule. But often that's not 
open. So if you're watching a recording of this, you might be better off going uh, uh, emailing me sales at realestate.jp and uh, we can sort of bounce back sometimes and then I'll, I'll open up my calendar so you can we can book a Zoom call. Okay, everyone, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to end the call there. Have a great day. Bye-bye.